Two things before we go right to the word. First of all, we like to just say welcome to Times Square Church and thank you for being here right, now, right here on 51st and Broadway for those that are watching around New York City, around the country, and around the world. We're so thankful for those that are with us live around the world. We welcome you every single time. We welcome Nigeria and Rwanda's with us, South Africa, Norway, and Poland. We welcome the UK, Germany, Martinique, and God bless you, Romania. You were with us today. God bless Sweden, Fiji Islands, Grenada, Georgia, Canada, Panama, Trinidad, St. Vincent, and the Grenadines, and welcome Brazil. Can we welcome all those that are with us online? And we're so happy that you're here today. Let me just give you two very quick, two important dates that I want you to keep in mind. Number one is next Sunday, one of the most foundational, um, really, where this church um, arose from was the obedience. One man from Pennsylvania said yes, and then a gang member said yes on the streets of Brooklyn. David Wilkerson said yes to going to New York City and yes to preaching the gospel, and he preached in Brooklyn, New York, and a gang member who was considered a warlord named Nikki Cruz said yes to Jesus on that day. As a result, Teen Challenge started, and if you fast forward it, Times Square Church is sitting here. We are so blessed. Next Sunday, all day Sunday, will be Nikki Cruz with us. So you do not want to, please don't come alone. Invite somebody to be here. Nikki is 85, and it looks like he just got out of the gangs last week. So you want to be here for Nikki Cruz. The week after that is two important things will happen. It's be January 21st. I'm going to share with you where, what God has done this last year and then what, he, what we feel like the Lord is leading us is we begin to share really just movement towards a billion souls and what that means to us. And so it's really, a, in a sense, a vision Sunday that we're going to begin to share with you of what God wants to do. That's the 21st. And as soon as we finish that 1 o'clock service, like this service here, we will come back for the next three nights for three days of prayer and fasting. And I really want to encourage you, to, if you could be here one night or all three nights, even if you're at the one o'clock service, go and, and you maybe go get some lunch and then you come back and start fasting with us that evening and praying and fasting. But that will start every night at seven o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we're going to encourage you on that final night to join either online or to drive up to Pennsylvania at our Bible school, Summit International School of the Ministry, and join with Pastor Carter as we finish out the week of prayer and fasting. The first recorded words of Satan in the Bible was in the first book of the Bible, which is in the book of Genesis. And it was a question of doubt in, the first, in his first conversation. And Satan asked these words to Eve. He said, did God really say? Satan was trying to plant the seed of doubt in Eve's heart concerning what God had said. And I believe that tactic is still used today. It is you, it's going to be used when I preach. Because I want to tell you something that God says in the scripture, specifically in the book of Ephesians, that I feel like that really that victory in battles and the blessing of God is really hinging on for us to get this. But as I speak, I am convinced some of you are going to sit here and the enemy is going to attack your mind and just go, did God really say that? Is that really what the Bible says? And I want you to be ready because there is something here that I think is supernatural to bring us to a, to a real important place, not only as a church, but even us individually. Let me tell you a story. 
So Cindy and I make Friday nights as a time that we will usually go out for dinner in, in the city. And we do it because three of our children, all of our children really, um, are, are connected to our 212 Youth and Young Adult event every Friday night. So if you're in high school or college, it's a great opportunity to come um, to be here. So either they're involved with it or serving here at 212 on Friday nights. And it's always a special night for us as, a, as Cindy and I begin to go out um, on Friday nights, just our time together. And it was difficult to go out in December, so this, this was the first time we went out in maybe four or five weeks. We got on the train, going the B train, going to Soho and a Mediterranean restaurant that we were going to. And while we were sitting there, Cindy, um, it was a crowded train, was sitting down. I was holding on to the pole, and we were talking back and forth. And at one point, Cindy wasn't looking at me anymore. She was distracted, and she was looking beyond me, and I had no idea what she was looking at. And I said, what, what are you looking at? And she just pointed behind me, and literally four feet away from me was a woman with a kitchen knife to her throat. And it was just four feet away from me. And she was air cutting herself. Like just the knife was there and she was just kept going back and forth um, with the knife and air slashing her throat. This was a woman just four feet away that had mental struggles but yet had a, a knife at her throat. So at that point I turned around and I just said, listen, I want you to put away that knife because it's important that you live. We want you to be okay. We want you to live. And... In the next few moments, she started to spew just horrible things at me. But she was putting away her knife, which is good. So she put away her knife, but it was literally the things that she was saying for the next two train stops were just, um, were, were just horrible. But it didn't bother me. I, was just, I just, wanted, her, I just didn't, I, I wanted her to be safe. And I just said, great, you, you, we want you to be safe. We don't, want you to, we don't want you to hurt yourself. And she just kept spewing horrible things. She put the knife in her pocket. We got off safely, two exit, two, two stops down. And it was amazing. We went from a woman with a knife at the neck screaming at me to a wonderful dinner that we had together. And all I thought was, welcome to New York City. And this is what I've learned that you can literally be in this situation. This is what I found out in December and I saw it again on Friday night and I'll explain this biblically speaking. This is what I've realized. I am blessed and I am in a battle all the time. And it's at the same time. How many are blessed here? Would you raise your hand? How many would say, I'm in a battle? Would you raise your hand? Same hands. It's the same time. You're going, God has blessed me. I'm fighting the devil. God has blessed me. I'm fighting the devil. Why does it seem every day is a fight? You have a date night and a fight night on the B train. And it just seems, and it's not New York City. It is a believer thing. Because there is something behind these battles. Because I believe this, that both God is up to something and Satan is trying to block something. That's what I believe is happening. God is up to, this is what's behind those battles. God is up to something and Satan is trying to block something. I got a text this morning from a pastor in the Midwest. He said, I feel 2024 is going to be a difficult year. What do you think? My response was, let me, and this is what I said. I said, um, here's what I want you to know about this year and basically every year. It, that we are, 
the reason why we will have intense battles is because there's going to be immense victories. And I said, that's why, that's why it is going to look this way. It doesn't matter whether it's 2024, that whenever God wants to do something, Satan will oppose it. So this is where I learned a principle that I want to share with you about battle and blessing at the same time and how we fight through that. If you would allow me, I'd like to just, just, just as a personal note and tell you how I came to this, um, about my eight days leading up to Christmas. And this is what my eight days look like leading up to Christmas from the 17th through the 25th. Started with Sunday, it was such a blessing for me. It was both a blessing and a battle to, to, that you guys would celebrate my birthday, Pastor Carter would preach, but it's also the battle. I'm turning 60 years old and everything's falling apart. So you'd go from Sunday birthday, Tuesday was the book release, Wednesday I was blindsided by a personal attack from somebody I would never guess. Thursday I went to a funeral of an elder's wife from our Jersey campus who's battling cancer. The cancer was so, was so aggressive that literally in weeks that she perished and went to be with the Lord. Then before we can even catch our breath, it was Saturday, my mom passed away at 101. Then all of a sudden, as you're, as you're hitting personal attack, and then you're going through two, dealing with a funeral, and the mom's passing, and then all of a sudden we come back on Sunday, and you see 250 people come to Christ. You see us having an opportunity to touch all the, these immigrant families that have come from all over Central and South America that we get to be a blessing to. And then all of a sudden you're going, God is so great, and then Monday I test positive for COVID. And then you just keep going. And I, this is what I asked the Lord. I said, can I just have smooth water, please? Can I just have just, can I just have some, anybody ever ask God for that? And, and what, listen, and this is where I got the revelation for me, for me. What I have called or a roller coaster is actually life lived in what I call heavenly places. I'm going to explain this to you because that is not roller coaster, it's heavenly places. I have to explain this to you on how blessing and battle happen so frequent and so simultaneously. Because every blessing that you'll experience will be surrounded by a demonic fight. Every blessing that you are experiencing doesn't come without a fight. How, how can you say that, Pastor Tim? I didn't, the Apostle Paul did. And I wanna show you something as Paul began to write in Ephesians and Colossians, I, I'm not really sure, I'm not, not I'm not sure. I don't believe this phrase. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it to you. You'll see it on the screen. I don't believe this. You're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I don't believe that based upon what the Bible says. And I choose to believe what the Bible says, not what people say. I've had people say that. You're so earth, heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Folks, the only way you could be earthly good is to be heavenly minded. This is what Paul said in Colossians 3. He said, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. That's heavenly minded. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, he's going to say it again, on things above. Not on the things on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, I love the way the message, Eugene Peterson paraphrases, listen to these words. He says it like this. He says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, then act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. I love this. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. I love this part. That's where the action is. 
That's the part that excites me. So that's why I believe setting your affection on things above is not simply heaven, it's heavenly places. I'm going to explain that in a few moments. Because 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, so we fix our eyes on not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So today in the next few moments, we're going to fix our eyes on the unseen. Because I started to ask these questions, and these questions were answered by a book of Ephesians that I want to share with you that I think there's, you're going to get some answers today. I kept asking this question. Why is it so hard to be a pastor in New York City? Why is it so hard to pastor Times Square Church? Why is it so hard to be on staff here? Why is it? Listen, let me talk to you. Why is it so hard to attend this church? Ever, ever since you said yes to this church, it has been a battle all the time. Nothing seems easy. Why? It's because the blessings are immense, so the battles are intense. Because the battles are intense, God, the enemy knows how big these blessings are. Myself and the elders and our staff, after we hear a story or a testimony of someone coming to Christ and all that God had to do to get them saved, we always say this one phrase, this is why we fight. This is why we fight. Because of this blessing, because of this testimony, because of this story. This is why we fight. What are you saying, Pastor Tim? Heavenly places is where the fight is, and it's where the blessings are. Now, I'm going to explain this to you with Scripture, so stay with me, and don't let the enemy say, God, really say this. You're going to see it. And not only that, but that in heavenly places is how I fight this battle. It's in the same place as the blessings and the fight is. But we're going to fight from a position you could not even imagine. Okay, here it is. Where are the blessings of God? Look at Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And where is it? In the heavenly places in Christ. Folks, that's... a. Did you hear those words? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I'm going to say it again. I am blessed. Are you blessed today? Okay, now here it is. TSC has experienced blessing. You've experienced blessing. But you have to remember this. The Ephesians 1-3 blessings will always be challenged by the Ephesians 6-12 demonic forces. How can you say that, Pastor Tim? Here it is. Ephesians 6, 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Now, Paul, where are they? Okay, where are my blessings? Where are the wicked forces? Oh, Jesus, please help us right now. Because that's where blessing and battle seem to be taking place. The same place where God is sending his blessing is the same place that the demonic forces have began to set up camp. They both live on the same block in the same building. Mm. 
I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, but I am fighting wickedness and forces of darkness in heavenly places. So here's the question that you have to ask. What are heavenly places? See, I think, and I'm going to show you this scripturally, the Bible cracks the door enough for us to know what this is, but not wide enough to overwhelm us. Heavenly places, I don't believe, is heaven. Heavenly places is a place of spiritual activity away from the naked eye. Let me explain it like this, according to Ephesians, and I'll show it to you. Heavenly places is the unseen world where spiritual conflict is occurring. It's, the, uh, it's heavenly places where Christ and his children are seated. And heavenly places is where every blessing for us is located. There is blessing, there is conflict, and there is Christ right in the middle of all this. And we have very little understanding of this spirit world. We cannot see it, we cannot hear it, we cannot touch it, but we can see it clearly in the scriptures or we get a glimpse of it from different parts of scripture. We learn it's a fierce warfare that it's taking place at all times. A heavenly realm, as real as earthly realms. I, I don't want you to miss what I just said. It is that this heavenly realm is as real as the earthly realm. It is a place where Christ is seated and demons are engaged in warfare. It is so important that we understand this, that right here in Ephesians, this phrase, heavenly places, occurs five times in the book of Ephesians. It emphasizes, Paul is emphasizing the importance to the Christian that what is happening right now on earth is important, but so is what's happening even what we can't see is just as real as important. That right next to my blessing is my enemy. My blessings and my battles, as I said, live on the same block. There are moments in scripture that God will crack the door to that very real world. Let me tell you about it. In the book of Daniel, we hear what goes on in the heavenly realm with a fight that, that in, in prayer. There's a fight that goes on as Daniel is praying for insight. And then all of a sudden, an angel comes and says, I have been delayed for 21 days. Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. You could read it yourself. He says, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the day that you began to pray, he says, your request was heard in heaven. He said, I've come and answered your prayer. Listen to what he says. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came and to help me. And I left him there with the prince. And he fought the prince of Persia against me. He says to, that was trying to block the prayer that you were praying for the people of, 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 of Babylon to be set free, the Jews in Babylon to be set free. That in this spiritual conflict, it can block prayer. But it also has accusation found in that, in that minor prophet Zechariah. Zechariah has a vision of the priest standing before God, but the enemy starts to accuse him in Zechariah chapter 3. And begins to look at him and accuse him and says, he is dirty, he is filthy. And then all of a sudden in verse 2 of chapter 3 of Zechariah, the Lord said to Satan, this is a glimpse into the heavenly realm. He says, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. 
And then it looked at that man, that priest Joshua, and said, is not this man a burning stick that has been, that has been snatched from the fire? It says, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood there. And then all of a sudden, it was the angel of the Lord said, take off those filthy clothes. Because I have taken away his sin and put on new garments upon that person. That's what was happening in the heavenly realms. Some of you may not have under, remembered Zechariah and Daniel. But you will know this one. Because, because this man, who literally... Went, went through absolute suffering, had no idea the battle that was going on. His name was Job. Job is all about a battle in heavenly realms to try to get this man to curse God, to leave the faith. That folks, when people, look at me for a moment, I just feel so strongly to say this, when people are having a fight with their faith, and wondering if it's real, and wondering if God is there. Do you understand? This is not you because you came up with, some, with, 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 with something that has been so profound from your college professor. No! This is a battle that's going on for your soul in heavenly places. That's what this is. It's a spiritual fight. You're not, we're, we're not that smart to come up with that. It is hell that is being unleashed saying, let me at him. Let me go after him. Let me confuse him. That's what they were trying to do with Job. Job is a blessed man. This is what it says in 1, 3, 1, 1 through 3. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. He was blameless, upright, fearing God, turning away from evil. He had seven sons, three daughters. His possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yokes of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and many servants. And he was the greatest of all the men of the East. You could be, all, you could be the greatest, and you could be blessed, but he was a target of hell. Look at this. In Job 1.6, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and, walk, and, and walking around on it. And then God goes, have you noticed, as you've been walking around, have you noticed my man Job? He said, this is a man that, that, I, that has been blessed and is covered. My hand is on it. And, Job, and Satan said this, take away his hedge. Take away the blessings. Take away everything that you bless him. And watch, he will curse you. And God goes, I'm going to let you attack him, but I'm going to put limitations. Always keep this in mind. Satan is not a CEO. Satan has no ability to make his own decisions. God is king of the universe. God is in charge. That devil is God's devil. He doesn't own. Satan doesn't run his own company. Satan doesn't have his own industry. God runs everything. God is in charge. Satan said, I've been roaming. Devil, devil looking for someone, the offended, the tired, the weak, the busy. He's looking for those that have been blessed to find out how to devour them. I've been realizing even those that, that we hire or serve here at Times Square Church, and I started to realize we don't just need workers, we need fighters that are workers. And, and, and we're starting to realize this, that when Nehemiah called them to build the wall, he said, I don't need you to know how to lay brick, I need you to know how to fight and lay brick. 
Look what it says in 4.17. Those who were building the wall did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. That's the way we do it here. If you want to go ahead and usher, you're going to go, here's your seat, and I bind you Satan. And if you're going to go work with our kids, you're going to go, oh, here you go, little Johnny, and I bind you devil to try to come and get a hold of this kid. I, what, what you've got to realize, and if you come to this church, I'm telling you, it'll be a battle just to worship. Folks, you're going to get people that will walk in here and you're going to think to yourself, who did I just sit next to? Don't look at anybody right now. Just look straight ahead. And there you are. And you're going to have to go, Jesus, I worship you. And oh God, give me patience. Oh God, help me to understand. Because folks, you have to understand that wherever the blessing is, there is a battle. That if you're being blessed, you're going to have to fight. And if you're fighting, that means there's a blessing on the other side. It's God teaching us that blessing and battle can happen simultaneously. That you're going to have to work. You're gonna, I'm going to have to preach going, okay, God, I'm going to work here, but I'm also going to fight the enemy that's trying to come against me. I was reading about the first Christian conference in, in really the, the world that took place. It took place in 325 AD. It was called the Council of Nicaea. There's thousands of Christian Christian uh, conferences that happen every year in the United States and around the world, but there was nothing like the first Christian conference that ever took place. It was after the church was birthed and the church was expanding that they decided to bring leaders in from the church that was in Asia and in Europe and bring them all together. And they met in three, AD 325 and they began to discuss doctrinal matters. They wanted to make sure that the church would stay on track. But I have to tell you who attended this conference. Because the attendees is what was humbling. There was blessing in battle. What came out of this conference is a blessing that we still hold to today of sound doctrine. But it was also a battle just to get there. Listen to this. This is the part I want you to hear. There were 318 delegates that showed up at the Council of Nicaea. And this is what it says. Only 12 of the 318 had their whole physical body together. Only 12. All of the rest had been maimed and crippled as a result of being tortured for their faith. Some were there without an eye. Some of them were there without a hand, without a leg. They've had broken and dislocated limbs because they stood up for the gospel. Some had been scarred by branding irons. Some had been thrown in, boiled in oil or thrown into a ring, a ring uh, with, with, with wild animals. In the early days of the Christian church, no one thought it strange or unfair to suffer for Christ. Suffering was considered, the battle was considered a normal part of the Christian life. Can you imagine? This is who showed up. They showed up, beat up in the battle. But folks, these, these men and women knew that, there was, that if there was a battle, there was also a blessing on the other side. These people who have suffered for the gospel, think about it, 306 of them all had marks on their body because they were suffering for the gospel's sake. But when they left that, they gave to us what is called the Nicene Creed that is still mentioned and quoted and even a foundation of doctrine that came out of a battle. Listen to these words that were written by men with one eye 
or one hand or one leg. This is what they wrote, these battle-torn people. Listen to this. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. He is begotten and not made of one being with the Father. Through him all things remain for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, became truly human for our sake, crucified under Pontius Pilate, suffered death and was buried. Hallelujah. But on the third day, he rose again in accordance with scripture, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. And they're not done. They said, we're not gonna let anybody begin to take away from the work of the Holy Spirit. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son is worshiped and glorified, spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen and hallelujah. Listen to me. Listen to me, those that are watching. That wasn't written from some seminary by somebody with a PhD. It was written from pain and suffering. It was written from a battle. It wasn't written from the mind. It was written from a heart that said, we're going to protect the doctrine. It wasn't written to be published. It wasn't written so you can get a book deal. It was written because they were protecting the church. With every blessing, there will be a battle. And with every battle, there will be blessing. Hallelujah. Our blessing is in heavenly places. Our battle is in heavenly places. So here it comes. This is where I want to finish. How do we fight this battle in heavenly places? This is where we end, and it's a long ending. So let's go through this. How do we fight this battle? You're going to be surprised because the moment you're born again, is you are put in the position to fight. Here it is, Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Look at this now. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, and I love this part, by grace you have been saved. But he's not done. He said, I brought you from death. And then, it get, then he goes, but I didn't bring you high enough. Verse six, and raised us up with him and seated us with him. Where? In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He not only raised you from sin and death, but raised you up higher in heavenly places. Some of you are going, I don't want to go up that high because I know what's up there. So I'm not, I don't want to get up there. Folks, you are already there if you're born again. So you are fighting. Here it comes. You are fighting from a seated position of victory. You have been seated with, oh, this, this, this excites me. Here we go. So 
What does that mean, Ephesians 2, verse 6, that you have been raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places? What does that mean? Here it comes. Here it is. Get this down. Because these are the two phrases. You are with Christ and you are in Christ. You are with Christ and you are in Christ. What does this mean, Pastor Tim? Okay, here it comes. Let's, let's tackle each one and we close. With Christ means you already have the victory. That means that if you are seated with him, there is no battle you face that can't be won. You can have the victory. Folks, this is amazing. How, how do you know that, Pastor Tim? Okay, here it comes. You ready for this? Because it's where Christ is seated. It even gives more definition. Here it comes. Ephesians 1.20. He raised him up from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the, where? Heavenly places. Where is that? Here it comes. Far above all the 612 demons Rule and authority, power, those are all the names that were used in Ephesians 6.12. He says he is far above all of them. And he says, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Keep that on the screen for a second, because I don't want you to miss a place to say amen, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. He says, I've, I've put you in a spot that whatever you name, he says, even if they're making up names for sin today, he says, I'm telling you, whether it was named in the first century when this was written, or it's in the 21st century, he says, there's not a name that you can say that Christ isn't higher than that. There's nothing that you're facing. Folks, I'm telling you, this brings me, because if I'm seated with him, then folks, I'm telling you that nothing is, uh, here's, here's what I love, that there is no battle, there is no addiction, there is nothing, there's depression, there is none of those things that has to grip hold. He is far above depression. He is far above depression addiction. He is far above confusion. He is far above. He's got a name above every other name and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this brings joy. This brings, this brings confidence in my heart that if I'm born again, he says, I didn't just rescue you from the dead. I'm sitting you in heavenly places. You're sitting with me. If you're sitting with him, and listen, the enemy comes after me, I'm going to talk to him. He's the one that rose from the dead. He's the one with the name above every other name. In Christ means I am the righteousness of God in Christ and no accusation of the devil has any validity. Do you understand how important this is? That if I'm in Christ, the enemy has to go through Christ to get to me. Folks, this, 
Can, can I just, can I, listen, I know people speak about this. I'm just going to tell you, there are people that try to tell you you can be a Christian and demon-possessed. Let me help you. No, he, he, we read it. The Bible says my life is hidden in Christ, which means no demon can find me if I'm hid in Christ. Don't let somebody teach some doctrine saying these are the reasons how you can be demon. But no, I'm in Christ. You're telling me a devil can get through Christ to get to me? Folks, if I'm in Christ, I'm secure. Folks, and if you want to live under that, that's a bondage I don't want part of. I am with Christ. I am in Christ. I have victory in him today. I'm telling you, in Christ is the safest place you can be. Let, let me finish with this as the band comes. Here it is. Let me explain in Christ like this. Ephesians 1.1 speaks to it very clearly. Paul starts off like this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints, and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna be very clear, to the saints who are, where are they? In Ephesus. And to the faithful who are where? In Christ. So Paul says, I want to talk to the saints that live in Ephesus, and I want to talk to the same people that are in Christ. What was Paul saying? This is important. Because Ephesians is a prison epistle. It's written from the jail cell. And Paul is in jail... However, Paul is also in Christ. He was put there by Nero and later would be martyred by Nero, this wicked emperor. And where Paul was at spiritually was more powerful than where Paul was geographically. He was saying being in Christ is greater than being in jail. He was telling the Ephesian Christians to be in Christ is greater than living in Ephesus. Oh, let me talk to those that are online right now. Because here's what I want you to understand. You may be watching in the Middle East or in China. Or we people watch in Cuba. You may be watching in a country where the gospel is outlawed. You may be watching in a war-torn country. You may be in Ukraine and in Russia. But I have good news for you. If you are a born-again Christian, I want you to understand, you may be in Russia, but if you're in Christ, and you may be in a communist nation, you may be in China or North Korea, but if you're in Christ, being in Christ is more powerful than being in some geographic location. Because some of you have forgotten that. You're thinking to yourself, how can I be a Christian? I live in the Bronx. I'm telling you, if you are in Christ, it doesn't matter whether you live in the Bronx, whether you live in Staten Island, whether you live in Long Island, all you've got to make sure is that I am in Christ. <laughs> Folks, that's why, and here's... Here's what you have to understand. Every time I read the list of the nations that are watching us, we are picking a fight with the devil. 
How can you say that, Pastor Tim? Okay, let me. Because who riles up the, in the, the devils in the heavenly places? It's the church. How, how can you say that? Okay, now remember, I've been raised up with him in heavenly places. You're still with me? My blessings are in heavenly places. The devil is in heavenly places. And here's what he says. Paul goes right in the middle of all this. He says, you're the one. Times Square Church, you're picking a fight. Every time I read those nations, every time I preach, every time you begin to worship. Why? Here it comes. So that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through who? The church. To who? The rulers and the authorities. To where? In heavenly places. Every time you sing, you are telling hell, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is far above it. Folks, he says when you make known, it's the church that makes known. Put that verse back up again. You make known the wisdom of God. What is that, folks? What's the wisdom of God? I'll tell you what it is. Paul tells you in 1 Corinthians 1.24. Here it is. Christ, the power of God, and the... That's why I am always happy when Ricardo, Ricardo team, come on, come on, come on out, come on out. Because I love when we sing songs that exalt Jesus. Because it's that name that riles up the heavenly places. Not me. I don't care about me. Folks, it's, it's not me. It's him. He's the one that puts the fear in the enemy. I just stay in Christ. Let me stay in Christ. Let's lift up. The church is to lift up the name of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're asked to do. But when you start to begin to go into the nations and do what you were supposed to do, I'm telling you, it riles up hell. Hell begins to come against us. Let me close with this. This is the part that I've been asking God just to help me with. It's a prayer. It's a prayer of opening up my eyes to know why the blessing and the battle happen at the same time. It's a story of a prophet and a servant that only saw this and never saw what God was doing. Listen to these words in 2 Kings 6.15, Elisha and his servant. And when the servant of the man of God arose and went out, the Bible says there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to Elisha, alas, my master, what shall we do? He knew the battle was in front of him. And look at this, folks. So he answered and said, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now watch this. This is what he says. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Here it is, folks. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That God opened up his eyes and said, you are fighting an enemy. But if I can open up your eyes to know what I am doing also in the heavenly realm. Folks, that's what I want. I want God to open up my eyes. I want to see. I want to know that, folks, that it is a battle. 
But there is the blessing of protection. There is the hand of God that begins just to come. The hand of God. Stand with me. and Let me tell you how, how this works. This is the part that brings such joy to my heart. Because the enemy is going to launch attacks against you. He is going to begin to tell you, hey, now folks, this is important. He's going to say, hey, put your stuff together. Get out. And the enemy is going to try to rob you of a blessing today. And the battle is, let me get out. Let me leave. Let me leave. And you're going to miss something what God wants to do. And God is doing something. Because what the enemy does, what the enemy does, it's here's where confidence came. Listen to what the Bible says about 1 Peter 5.8 about the devil. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, what does he do? Walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You see that? Folks, that means that the enemy walks this stage trying to take out these amazing people, to take out these band members, to come through. He comes like trying to devour the people that's up here. But here's what happens. When you're with Christ and in Christ, this is what brought joy to me. You ready for this? It's this one. Second Chronicles 69. For the eyes of the Lord. What does it do? While the enemy's walking, who's running? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to That means this. If the enemy goes, I'm going after Kareem. The lion is going, I'm walking, I'm prowling, I'm going. And here's God. God goes, voop, I'm already there. He says, while he's walking, my eyes ran right to him. That means this, while Satan is walking, God has already been running to be in the place that I am. Folks, why wouldn't I want to go ahead? God, I need you. I need you part of my life. This is the deal. This is the deal. This is what brings such great joy to me. He said, God is already fighting for me before and with me before the enemy even gets there. Here it comes. And here's what's happening right now. The word has been preached and Satan has been walking through this place. Jesus said it this way. The sower sows the word. That's what we just did. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. You know what the enemy does? As soon as I'm preaching, the enemy goes, that's not true. Did God really say that? He's already playing with your mind. He's already speaking to you. I don't want to come here. That guy is yelling at everybody. Spitting on the front row. What kind of church? He's already trying to steal where God is trying to come and bless and give you salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, victory in your life. And you're hearing a voice that says, soon as he turns around, get out. And that's what you're thinking. 
Let's just go. All right, all right, I came to church. Let's just go, let's go. And you're gonna miss what God wants to do for you right now. This is a day that he wants to change you. This is a day that God wants to go. Why, why right now the battle is happening, but the blessing of God wants to come. And it can happen right now. I don't want you to bow your head. I don't want you to close your eyes. Because we have people, now TSC, those that are Christians, I want you to just, right now, you just, just start to pray, start to intercede right now. Just start to intercede, because there are people that are gonna become born again right now. And the enemy is gonna try to steal that word. This is, every time I talk about being born again, TSC, you know what you're supposed to do? Is go right into intercession. Why? Because a blessing and a battle is, is simultaneously happening. So that's, that's what your job is. Your job is to pray that enemy that's trying to steal the word today. So here it is. Here it is. There is a battle for your life. There is a battle for your eternity. There is a battle for your allegiance. There is a battle. And today, Christ wants to change you. You can be with Christ and in Christ. And that starts by being born again. It's by saying, come, change me, God. Come, change me. The Bible calls that being born again. How do I do that, Pastor Tim? It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that I'm a sinner. I'm broken on the inside. I have a condition called sin and I can't fix it. There's not a prescription. There's not a program. There's not a priest, a pastor, a synagogue, a mosque. There's not a religion. There's not a promise I can make to fix the sin condition inside of me. I need help. That's the B word. Believe. Believe that God sent his son 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for my sins, rose from the dead to raise me up with him that I may live in victory and see confessing him as Lord and saying, you're in charge of my life now. You don't get Sundays. You get every day now. Take my mind, my heart, my soul. Take everything. And with every head up, every eye open, this is going to be, this is, we're going to fight through this right now. The enemy's gonna try to steal the word, but I'm telling you, there are some here that are, about, that are about to have their lives changed from the inside out. There are people that are here that you're about to experience forgiveness and be literally, be, be God's child that he's gonna raise up from the dead, forgiven and on your way to heaven today. Don't leave this place without making that decision. I'm gonna pray a born again prayer, and if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want God in my life. I want my life changed. I want God to come in. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy that says you've done too much. You've done something last night or this week that disqualifies you. I'm telling you that you are a candidate today. If you're breathing and alive, then today's the day of salvation for you. If you're here in this place and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, count me in. I want God in my Hold up your hand as high as you can. Hold it up as high as you can. I want to see all these hands. Look at all this. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. There, there, all there. In the back there. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I got you over there. Come on. Let's thank God for what he's going to do. That God is going to begin to do a work. Let's all pray this together. Say these words with me. Dear Lord Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. 
The Holy Spirit is my helper. The Bible is my guide. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.